Today, our reading from Matthew asks us to consider forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. Forgiveness is at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. And forgiveness is really, really hard spiritual work. I'm told that there are records of church councils in 16th century Switzerland dealing with the issue of, of a parishioner who refused to say the Lord's Prayer. He said he couldn't say the Lord's Prayer because he knew that if he did, he would be obliged to forgive the merchant who he believed had cheated him and he wasn't about to be ready to forgive this man's offence to him. Our reading from Matthew puts forgiveness front and centre and not just forgiveness of the kind that leads to reconciliation, but forgiveness of those who believe they neither need our forgiveness nor who appear to want it. Forgiveness is tricky. More often than not, it takes time. It takes time because every one of us is a work in process. On any given day, our forgiveness is likely to be incomplete in some way. This is what Jesus talks about with Peter. When he says, in a process for the church, he says, he says, uh, if you, if you, someone offends you in the church, you go to them individually. If that doesn't work, you take some elders. If that doesn't work, you go to the whole church. If that doesn't work, eventually you just simply have to let it go. Peter wants to know, good grief, how many times must I forgive on this basis? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times. You must forgive. Well, why? Why is forgiveness so important? when there is no reasonable and holy hope for reconciliation in this world or in our lifetime? And the answer has something to do with power. Two weeks ago, we heard Jesus give Peter the keys to the kingdom. And he said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. When we do not forgive, we are in some profound sense bound. We are less than free. We are in the thrall of another person or power who is taking up space in our hearts and in our heads and in our imaginations. Have you ever had a personal enemy? Someone out to get you, someone to dis destroy your life or your livelihood or your marriage? Someone who is after your job and starts a whispering campaign in the office? If so, then you know what it is to be in the thrall of another person. Have you ever been put in the position of being a scapegoat, taking the blame for some wrong you did not commit? Then you know what it's like to be in the thrall of another person. Have you ever been humiliated, perhaps, or robbed, or abused, or raped? Well, if you've thought about any of those things, then you've thought about revenge. And if you've thought about revenge, however sweet it is to imagine, then you know what it is to be in the thrall of another person. Because in a sense, when we're in the thrall of another, we're giving the person who violated us or who abused us or humiliated us or wronged us in some way, we're giving them space in our person and the power to go on hurting us. Sisters and brothers, when we give another person power over our thoughts, our imaginations, our life in such ways, then we are not free. And we simply must figure out how to forgive. Or at least pray that we might find ourselves wanting to forgive. That Swiss Christian 
who'd been wronged by the tradesman wasn't even at that point yet. Now we know when we've been hurt and we know how easy it is if we're not alert to what is going on in our heart or our spirit. We know how easy it is to find ourselves nurturing grievance and allowing stony hard lumps of hatred to grow in us. It's a process that bypasses intellect, it bypasses reason. We're all living in an age where politics of resentment and anger and fear make for a potent mix. And it's so easy to get caught up in the swirling eddies all about us. I limit myself to reading the news, not watching it. We don't have cable at home, which makes that discipline a little easier. But I can still feel my bile rising when someone says or does something of which I don't approve. And this is a human reality rather than a partisan reality. None of us is exempt from the need to tend to our souls. The cycle of resentment and violence can get so bad that it seems stoppable only by our saviour. Well, we have one. We have a saviour who himself was forgiving others even as he, lit, as he was dying on the cross. And that saviour says, forgive. Unbind yourselves from all that hurt and all that resentment. Unbind yourselves by grace from all those injuries, both deep and shallow. Lay down any hatred or rage you feel against another, however righteous you believe yourself to be. This is not easy, but you must do it if you are to be free to claim the promises of the gospel. And as if to underline his point, Jesus goes on to tell a parable a parable of the cycle of violence that follows when we turn our backs on the reality and necessity of forgiveness, where the servant who has forgiven much offers no such grace and forgiveness to others. And so he ends up in prison. And it's a prison of his own design, a prison of his own making, the consequences of his own actions. This can sound like a hard word, but forgiveness does not mean pretending that things are other than they are. Forgiving another does not mean the other should avoid or escape the consequences of his or her actions. It just means that we give up the right to be judge and jury. Forgiveness is really about us in the end and not the other. And at the heart of forgiveness is the extraordinary grace of that king who had pity on his servant and forgave all his debt. We are asked to forgive as we have been forgiven, as we have been released, unbound, freed for abundant life, life today and life forever. Forgiving another is rarely easy. It starts with wanting to forgive. It starts with wanting to be freed from being in the thrall of another. But it, however hard, it is a central way, perhaps the central way, of claiming the promises of the gospel and living the fullness of life that we are all promised, each and every one of us, life today, life forever. I offer this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.